Welcome to the Michael Smith Architect Podcast with your host, Michael Smith. Hi, this is Mike Smith and welcome to Michael Smith Architect Podcast episode number 10. We are climbing up there. And I'll tell you, this, uh, this episode we have here is fantastic. Um, I got the chance to interview a very good friend of mine, um, Josh Gillow, um, who is a outdoor uh, designer and contractor in Pennsylvania. Yes, I know that's not in California, but we're trying to branch out here a little bit. Um, and he spends a lot of time with uh, clients designing and working on their outdoor spaces. And I found it really interesting because I've, I've known him for several years and we've kind of talked about his projects, but never did I hear him say an architect. And it seems that he's really brought in after the project is done, uh, if it is a new construction, um, or obviously um, after if it's an existing home and such but never working directly with the architect. And we kind of talk about that a little bit. And I put together my, um, uh, my thoughts on maybe why that is happening inside. So um, why don't we go to that right now? And here's my interview with Josh. Welcome everyone. I am so excited to have uh, who I, someone I consider a very good friend, um, Josh. I met him, oh gosh, what, three years ago? Uh, at a, we were at a leadership training camp, and I was there by myself, and I fortunately I latched onto this guy, and he was as crazy as I was in terms of being on time, being early. And so we were always holding us, uh, ourselves accountable on that. Um, I, we've gone, since then, we've gone to a couple other things together. We've always kept in contact, and now we're in a mastermind group. Uh, he does designs and constructs uh, outdoor living spaces, correct? Correct. That right? Okay. And he's going to, at the end, he's going to tell us about a new venture that he's uh, working on, kind of leveraging his experience and such um, in running a business for 20 years. Is it about that long? Uh-oh, I lost him. He didn't like what I said. It started when I was three, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> I lost him there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, why don't you, that's a great, uh, we'll keep that in. Um, <laughs> let's just go on from there. Is hey, Josh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and or tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, so you're right, Mike. We met about three years ago. We had a great time, and yeah, I think we connected because of the fact that we both are uh, uh, kind of type A's when it comes to being on time, and that we are you know super focused on you know delivering what we talk about. We don't just talk shit, we actually do it. Um, you know, that's just one major thing. And uh, so we've been bonded together from that uh, for the last three years, it's been great. Uh, but yeah, as far as my business, I started out when I was, you know, like I said, I'll start right around when I'm five years old. Uh, I really have to blame my mom for it all. It, it really is, uh, it's all her fault. Cause uh, she started the garden center when I was five and I grew up in that model and uh, I'd go around the, you know, around the neighboring fields and pick up rocks and I'd bring them out to, uh, to her customers and try to sell them for a couple of pennies. and. I would go around and pot up, you know, wild tiger lilies along the road and sell them for a dollar. I'm like, holy shit, I'm making some money here. This is great. So the next thing you know, uh, you know, I started selling sweet corn, all that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of in my nature. I learned how to sell just in the streets, if you will, you know, at the garden center. Um, once I graduated high school, I decided that I wanted to get more into the design and construction of outdoor living spaces because I went to school to become an architect, got a degree, but uh, decided that I want to be drawing houses forever. So decided to merge the two together and uh, that was 20 well 24 years ago now and I was with the family company we started for 15 years doing uh, design and construction of outdoor living spaces and then uh, eight years ago I started to become more focused and I uh, realized that I wanted to be doing more of the design and the management more than the design and dealing with employees and trucks and crap like that so just wanted to get that out of my world and focus on the core um, passion that I had so 
Um, yeah. And now we're here. So I've been doing that eight years now and loving every minute of it. Awesome. Well, that's great. Um, so you have, uh, you both, you do both design and construction. Why don't you tell us a, a little bit about your process and sure. why don't we go, let's give two versions, how it was prior to COVID-19 and how, if any changes are, are occurring uh, during this, you know, this quarantine. Absolutely. No, that's a good question. So we haven't been affected a tremendous amount here in Pennsylvania. You know, we've been deemed essential from the beginning. So we've been able to continue business as usual, you know, with some restrictions, of course, but uh, we, we work a lot with the Amish um, community. So they do a ton of our work and they are very open-minded when it comes to things like this. So they're always working. They're incredible human beings to work with. Uh, but as far as process goes, you know, we're very experience-driven here at Master Plan. Uh, the goal here is to have the client have an incredible uh, experience from the very beginning, from that first phone call all the way through when they're telling their friends about us because they become raving fans. So that's that's the goal. We've created tons of processes in the you know within the business to make sure that happens and to make sure that we can deliver that experience over and over and over again and not just have it be something that happened once and it was kind of cool, right? Because when, when their friends call and want that same experience and they don't get it, then they're not gonna be very happy and not gonna be telling their yeah. friends. So very process driven that way. You know, We design everything in three dimensional full color models. We work with our ideal clients to do that. Um, and then once that design is completed, we offer them a budget study, which gives them a sense of what costs look like very early in our process. That's one of our big pieces here because most, you know, most of the people in our world, they design stuff that looks great. They get the client excited, probably some revisions. It's perfect. And then they slam them with a price at the end, right? And then the next thing you know, they're like, yeah, no. It's a lot of wasted time in my opinion, right? You know how it is, Mike, I, well, right? <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm doing that on purpose because that does come up a lot is yeah. I'm trying to give a price, but I'm not swinging a hammer. So yeah. I'm trying to do it with a big old fat crayon and yeah. give them a wide range and say, hey, it's more up here. But you know, most clients, are gonna, if you give them a range, they go, oh, the lower end is what they hear. Yes. And what I'm thinking is the upper end. So yeah, I, I understand that completely. But sorry, go ahead. No worries. You actually bring up a very interesting point because we've had that same situation over here at Master Plan where we would give them a budget study that would be maybe 10 or 20% variable, but you know, delta between top and bottom. And they would only see the bottom number. Majority yeah. of people would not see the top number. And I said, guys, that's why we give you a, a range because we know it'll fall somewhere in there. But you know, when they only see the bottom number, we said, man, we gotta, we gotta fix that. Yeah. So we actually became much more uh, detailed in our numbers in order to become much more accurate in the very, very beginning. Because we don't want to bust trust with clients, right? You don't want to go through and spend all this time and build this relationship and really have them fall in love with an idea, all to become, you know very unhappy at the end because they feel like you're trying to take advantage of them. That's just a huge waste of everybody's time. So, you know, those numbers being accurate and as tight as they can be, we're, we're down to a 10% Delta now and a target's a 5% Delta. So that's in the design process and we don't swing hammers either. Okay. So how do you do, I mean, do you know your numbers so well um, that when you drop in, uh, a planter or a deck or something like that, um, that you have that only that 10%? Yeah, so that's exactly what we do. So we have our numbers. We spend an enormous amount of time building what we call our budget study system. And it's, it's an entire, uh, it's online, it's what it is, it's all done. Uh, but I go out to all my partners. We've had, we've been very blessed with incredible partners that we've worked with for many years. And uh, I go out and say, look, you know, 90% of what we do, we do over and over and over again. So we can nail down what a cost structure looks like to do you know, this much or per square foot or per lineal foot or whatever it might be for certain things, right? So we get that nailed down to a point where when we're doing fence around a pool or standard pool is X, Y, Y price range, like those kinds of things, right? Okay. Then there's also a ton of custom stuff that we do that lasts us to say 10%. And what we'll do each project is we reach out to our partners and we have this open agreement that they will give us a, a uh, we'll call it a ballpark price, right in the beginning, they look at it and say, okay, that should cost you between uh, 25 and 28,000 for that, whatever it might be, right? So then we'll put those numbers into our numbers so that they're actually, we tell them, they know this, these are the numbers that clients are seeing. So when they, they're preparing themselves for the eventually having to, to bid that project too and actually fall within those numbers. Yeah. So that's all part of it. It's all an understanding between, you know, having the right partners is critical in this position. Okay. So 
um, that really helps us get those numbers very uh, fine-tuned. And our goal is to land on the low side. We're below the low side, right? Yeah. Because a client that you come back to and said you had a budget of 100000 you come back with a $95,000 option, exactly what they want. They feel like there's trust because you could have taken them for the last five, right? You could have marked that project up for another five and nobody would have ever known. Exactly. But when you bring those numbers in lower, they're like, wow, I can trust this person. You immediately get trust because it's the right thing to do, right? That's okay. So are you a general contractor when it comes to the construction side? We are, yeah. We're designing general contractors. Okay. So once we design the clients, most of them uh, hop on board with us to bring the, the idea to life. And then we manage the uh, trades. We manage the specialists, as I call them. I never use the words of contractor. That's dirty and icky and nasty. So uh, we say, you know, all our partners are specialists that we work with. And then we bring the project to life. That's what our ideal client wants. They don't want to be finding the talent. They don't want to be doing any of that stuff. True. So we manage all that for them. We manage all the monies. We manage all of that for them. Okay. Oh, great. So I assume there's a permitting process in your area, correct? Absolutely. So what is, what is that process in your area? And you're in, just so, did, I don't know if we said, but you're in Pennsylvania. Correct. Right. Okay. And so right. how does the permitting process go in Pennsylvania? Well, it sucks as always. Um, <laughs> I was wondering, I was waiting, is it as bad as California? I doubt it is, but. Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, basic permits are pretty easy, especially during COVID right now. We're finding that people are getting their permits through quick. And we're actually incentivizing our clients to, uh, to get them to start the process. They might not want to bite off the big ticket price right now or invest the big slug now, but let's get ourselves prepared. Most permits last six months to a year you know, as far as their, their, uh, viability. So yeah. why not get that work done now? This way in a few months from now when things are balanced more out, people get a better sense of what's coming. They can say go and we're ready. Right? So we can do that because what's happening right now is we're getting permits through faster than we've ever seen them get through because huh. there's not as much of a backlog in Pennsylvania at least. Most yeah. townships. So with that being the case, we get them through faster. That's great. And I tell clients, look, you can wait until after this blows over, after things kind of normalize. We know they're not going back to normal, right? But yeah. normalize, and there's going to be a gigantic onslaught of people running into the township trying to get permits. And they're going to be over inundated. It's going to take you months instead of weeks. So why not get it done now? So that works out. Now, some of the struggles we've run into now, you know, as far as the house things are changing, it's probably because of you guys in California. It's this whole stormwater shit we got to deal with oh now. Right? So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. That, oh, that is such a huge thing. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Right? And it, it adds so, four pages of just templates onto my, onto my plans. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it adds a whole other level of gray hair to me, too. But anyway, the, uh, uh, the, yeah, the townships have been interesting with that. Everyone is adapting and adopting new regulations, it seems, daily. And you're not doing your five-year plan anymore. It's a hundred-year, and it's 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 crazy, you know. And the thing is that I we had a choice a couple of years ago when we something down. Either we're going to sit back and bitch about it all the time and say, you know what, oh shit, another one of these things. I got to do this. I can't believe this. I don't want to do this. Or we're going to become the best firm around that knows exactly how to do this. Yeah. We have the best partners. We have the best solutions. We know what our clients do and don't want to see with the final result. So why not become that source? Why not embrace it? This is not going away. This is not something that's going to just disappear in a few years. It's only going to become more crazy and more good. So let's become pros at this. And the cool part is if you do it right, it's invisible. And if you do it right, it's not that expensive. But it's also another option as a business owner, as another option for upsell, right? Let's think about this. Sure. And so you're solving a problem for your client. There's value there. They don't want to go out and find engineers. They don't want to have to figure out a system. They don't want to end up with a retention pond like they saw in front of Walmart in front of their house. Yeah. And if yeah. you let people go on their own ways, that is exactly what will happen. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we bring that value to the table as well and we embrace it instead of trying to push it away. I don't love it, but we embrace it. Yeah. So on your, um, what we're finding, at least when we're submitting plans, I, we've got two different um, I have a county jurisdiction and I have city. And in the county, the city is, wants us to mail in plans uh, only through the post office and then they sit for a day. While the county has been a little more uh, forward thinking, we're now online submitting plans and such. How is that 
are you still doing paper or are you doing uh, digital uh, for permits and middles? You know, it's, it's actually a little of both. Uh, usually everything has to be hard copy, right? They want yeah. what, 27 copies of everything. I'm being crazy, but they want insane amounts of copies, all of it going to the township building. They disperse it. I don't know what they do with that, but they do something with it, right? And, um, but that's still some of the townships are still requiring that. But others are saying, look, digital's fine. Nobody's in the office with COVID. So send it over. We'll make this work and then send in the other stuff afterwards. We can keep things moving forward. They're all trying to figure it out too. But yeah, I see that's one big positive coming out of COVID is it's going to take some of those sluggish systems, call anything government, right? Sluggish systems, enforce them into the 21st century. And they're going to have to figure out ways to do this or they're going to end up with uh, major you know, bottlenecks in their process. That's so true. that's the one cool part about it. That uh, absolutely, I'm so glad that uh, we're still the the process is changing from week to week on how you submit your plan your plans and such. But yeah. it's so awesome to be sitting here at night going instead of going, hey, I got to send my prints out to be done and then carry, you know, probably about fifty pounds worth of drawings and prints and and copies. Now it's just a button and I can do it at midnight if that's when I finish up. So that's exactly. I that's the one great thing that I look at. I said, okay, we forced them into the 21st century. It's true. Um, okay, so what do you see homeowners wanting most in their backyard? Let's see. That changes over time, but there's one trend, if you will, or one uh, change that's coming that I don't think is going to ease up anytime soon, and that's comfort. They want to be comfortable outside, right? They want to go outside. They want to feel good, reconnect with nature, get the energy, get the sunlight. They want to get all of that, but they don't want to go outside and be in any way inconvenienced, right? So outdoor living spaces are evolving to become, let's just say from the furniture side of things, you're getting a ton of new fabrics. You're getting a ton of new uh, materials that are low maintenance that feel nice, like your inside sofa feels the same way outside now. Yeah. Um, you're dealing with uh, tons of features that we're adding into spaces like bromic directional heaters, infrared heating outside, uh, especially in roof systems to allow for people to come out and enjoy their systems and their outdoor living spaces much longer and much you know deeper, especially in Pennsylvania. You know, it gets cold as hell here in the winter. So people really want to, yeah, I'm like, I hear you laugh out there in California. Anyway, but it gets cold as hell out here. And the next thing you know, people aren't using their spaces. So they find more value in investing in a space that they can get more time in. So, you know, having a directional heating or having, you know, sound systems outside, having these creature comforts, you know, they want to be outside, they want to cook, they want to do that, but they don't want to have to put a lot of effort into it. So, and they want it to feel like an extension of their home, like, like, a, like their favorite room of their house. That's always our goal is to create their favorite room of their house. Uh, but again, if, if you've got to walk up and down 37 steps to get in from the first floor level to the patio, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Come on. At the end of the day, subconsciously, you look at it and you're like, screw that. I'm going to stay inside and eat Cheetos. You know, why the hell would I go outside? So having seamless transitions inside and out of the, the house, you know, with either deck structure or some kind of elevated space has been very popular because people really feel like they can connect with it any day, no matter how they feel. And we also think about it, if you have toddlers running around the house, think about it. As a parent, how often are you policing those steps? If there's steps out the back door, you're constantly there. You have friends over, you have a party, you're constantly standing there trying to have adult conversation next to the steps because your two-year-old's trying to go up and down them 50 times. Where if it was a seamless transition, you're walking from the first floor right out to that deck surface, there's none of that. Right, and then you can have a party, and then the kids can run around, the parents can run around. They can probably get the time that they need to have adult conversation. They can do it without the stress of thinking their kids in some kind of peril. Um, also, people are aging in place. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the concept of aging in place—if you have all these steps and these obstacles in place—when somebody comes to the house to either look at it to buy or whatever it might be, they might look at it and be like, "You know what? No, because if I want to get to the backyard, I, I practically..." have to sign up for that. Like I have to sign a waiver to go into my own backyard because I got all these steps to walk up and down. Seamless transition, you don't got that problem. You can walk directly out there. You can be 102 and still engage that space comfortably. Uh, so there's, there's lots of that, but it's more about the comfort and the, the, the thought process that goes into design. You know, just a, a slab of concrete in the backyard just isn't cutting it anymore. You know, we want to design spaces that fit furniture for them. We start with a furniture first focus to make sure all your furniture fits perfectly in the space. You're not moving things or walking around things or kicking shit because it's in the way, right? So there's, there's easy ways to do that. It just requires the planning. 
Um, so I would say those are the biggest things right now. And people also want the space to be reflective of their personality. You know, if they have more of a taste, if you will, a little more eclectic, they want some more eclectic stuff. They want more of a modern feel. They want more of a farmhouse feel, whatever it might be. But there's a lot of theming that goes on in these spaces now. And they're, they're really tied into that HGTV uh, mantra, if you will, of everything kind of matching and being. But um, at the end of the day, it's really important to, uh, to stay focused on that personality side. Okay, well, that's great. So one of the things that I think that's actually gonna come out of this COVID-19 thing is um, people are realizing I'm sitting in this house, I can't go anywhere. It's really dated or it's really this. I, I actually see there might be more of an opportunity after everyone kind of settles down. Um, where they go, I've been living in this space that I don't really like. Yeah. And now I want to do something with it. And I could see the same thing with the backyard. Um, and oh, is absolutely. That mainly, yeah. is, it, is it backyard? Is that your main business? Or are you doing front yard too? Or Yeah, everything outside the shell of the house is our, our domain. Um, but yeah, we're feeling the same thing. People are stuck home. They're looking out of their house, you know, in, in our sense. You know, they're looking around. They either hate the inside or they look out and they realize how much their backyard sucks. So they say, you know what, we need to do something. And again, that's why, you know, design is so important. We can get that vision down first. And whether yeah. they pull the trigger on, on a phase to get started, whether it's the whole project, whether they wait and just get the design stuff down, doesn't matter. We have a, we have a plan, right? Let's get a plan laid out so that we can maximize. Because let's face it, guys, COVID's not going away anytime yeah. soon. And if it's not that, it's going to be some other ridiculous thing they, they you know, dream up. Uh, they keep sending out different types of things that are going to keep us in our house. This is something that's going to become the new normal. So we better enjoy our space at home, maximize it as much as possible because we're going to be spending a lot more time here and, you know, working from home, kids from school from home, this is going to become normal. I, I think so too. Good yeah. point. So I don't, you know, in all the times that we've talked, I, I've, I don't think I've heard you mention many architects. Do you work with any architects or, you know, is your background, you know, your training, uh, having been one, you kind of have a sour taste for them? What, what's up with that? Yeah, so we, we don't work with a whole lot of architects, and it's not by choice. It just has happen, doesn't happen to work out that way sometimes. We work with a ton of structural engineers and civil engineers, those kinds of things that bring our projects together. But most of the time, we end up working with a client uh, after they've already built their home. So as much as I would love more, you know, architectural integration during that process and how much more value we could bring as a team to the project. So the inside and the outside connect beautifully and seamlessly and, and awesome. Um, that doesn't seem to be quite the consciousness yet. I, I know some people do that, but it's not uh, as, as common as it should be, at least in my opinion, uh, because That's there's so many times. Architects not thinking about that and saying, hey, I, I should bring someone in. Let's get the outside done. Or are they ignoring that? What do you yeah, I think that, I mean, in our area, at least, most are thinking, you know, architect-wise, and this is me saying this, I'm, you know, I, I don't have constant contact with those guys, but, you know, the, I think that they're like, look, you know, I'm hired to do a design for them, for the home. Let's get that done. Let's nail it. They do gorgeous work, right? Let's nail it, get it all done. And then when they want to move outside, that's somebody else's problem. There's, there's not the, 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 the necessity of thinking about that as, as part of the big holistic plan because they're thinking about their part, everything inside the house, you know, except for driveway, things like that, but, you know, everything inside the frame of the house where we go beyond that. We are obviously from there out. So in an ideal world, uh, a client would bring on an architect like yourself and they'd also, you know, either with you in tandem or to the side, we'd work together as a team to figure out how the, the home translates into the environment. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a huge piece, at least for me on this side, you know, how we're going to do a seamless uh, transitions and how we integrate with outside and what side should we be planting trees on to maximize the amount of efficiency with the home. And like all of these kinds of things are things that should be thought about, but aren't because one job ends here, another job starts there. There's the integration doesn't exist as much as it should. And I, I wonder from a standpoint of, does it come down to budget? You know, the architect, he, he wants to get his design done and he wants it done in the vision that he's worked on with the client. And if we start working with the outside, I'm, I'm stepping into his role and I'm thinking, okay, uh, do I really want him to spend $200,000 outside and we have to compromise on the design of the house yep. to get it all in? 
So it might be some selfishness to, you know, let's get this project done and the homeowner's not ready to do an exterior um, landscaping. They need a couple of years to kind of recover. Um, yeah. You're ready to do that. But you bring up a really good point, especially in California where we're required for new homes to have net zero energy. Mm-hmm. And so that means every, all the energy required by the house has to be produced by the house, whether solar, wind, whatever. Um, and the first thing you're do, trying to do is a tight house and use the solar part of it, wind and all that to heat and cool your house. Having someone with that experience and say, hey, if we put these trees here, instead of guessing, which, you know, we're using computer models to help us, but having someone with your experience to go through and say, hey, if we put these kind of trees here, we're going to have sunlight in the winter and we're going to block it in the summer and we're going to keep the house cold and hot when we want it to, not at the whim of, you know, nature and such. Um, Yeah, no, I definitely agree that the uh, integration with somebody outdoors, like a landscape architect, landscape designer, uh, from a an architect standpoint, I can see it complicating the situation because you're exactly right. If a client has a million dollars to spend on this house and you're suggesting, or the, I should say in this case, me, I'm suggesting 200 grand outside in order to make it more efficient, all that stuff, that cuts your budget down to 800, right? And it makes it a much tougher sell. So I understand exactly why architects keep it on their side and then they let it go. It's not everybody, right? But uh, it's easier to do it that way because you can stay in your own lane. You don't have all these other things popping up and, and next thing you know, it becomes so much more Com, you know, I don't know, tough, convoluted. You know, it, it becomes yeah. more uh, difficult for everybody to work and it really spreads out the focus. So I get why it's done, but there are so many times, you know, we, we charge for our design work as everyone should, right? Even in the landscape design build world. Um, and when we do, we always guarantee our clients that we're going to be able to save them two or three X over the design fee, just in good design, right? Yeah. And this is where things start to piss me off after a while because architects and not just architects in general but you know site engineers whoever's laying out this different systems whether it's septic on site or water pipes into the house or you know easements whatever placing the house all these kinds of things they don't think about anything more than their part right so if they have to get through stormwater management they have to recover just say it's 2,000 square foot of impervious surface they put in a pit that covers 2,000 square foot of impervious surface or maybe 2100 right and the next thing you know, we get in there, we're like, hey guys, look, you wanna add a pool deck and patio back here? Crap, we have nothing left. Now we've gotta charge you again in order to put a whole new system in, yeah. when for maybe 30% more or 40% more, the other guy could have made a 3,000 square foot system for you that would have managed all of our water too, and everything would have been simpler, and we wouldn't have to tear all this stuff up, and they wouldn't have put their damn system right where we wanna put the pool. Yeah. That's- so it's, it's, that conversation pisses me off daily because it's not had. It's, it's almost to the point where, I mean, you brought it up before, is getting a plan. So having someone, having an architect that has the, fores, the foresight to say, hey, let's have a plan. They're eventually going to want this, 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 and this. What are those requirements? And getting the full plan from, okay, we're going to do the house phase one, phase two is exterior. Let's do it all um get it all laid out that would be i mean even if they didn't do it uh that seems to me to be the right way to go about it um yeah and get some planning done okay so fun question for you what's the strangest thing that you've been asked to design in the backyard strangest thing um or the wildest backyard i'll give you that maybe it wasn't strange So, I mean, as as far as wildest, I mean, we've we've done a lot of cool projects. We've been very blessed to have incredible clients, and everything we do is full custom, kind of like what you do, right? So, no two projects are ever the same. Uh, But, you know, I guess instead of it being a cool project, there was a cool project that had an interesting twist to it when it came to managing what we just kind of talked about, right? So, this project, the house was constructed back in 1996. In 2014, we went in to do a complete rehaul of the backyard, right? There was nothing back there. It was actually just an old stone terrace that was falling apart. Ripped that off. Put in a swimming pool, which at that point, for three months in this township's existence, swimming pools were considered permeable, right? Because they freeboard about seven to eight inches of water. So that engineer during that time said, hey, look, 
you know, that's no big deal. It's not going to count against you. So there's, let's just call it 800 square foot to our benefit. We went in and we did all the work. We got the permits that we needed for things. We didn't get the permits for the, um, for the uh, patio area around the pool because we figured, hey, you can take those away, right? The, the, they're mobile. <laughs> so we didn't end up getting one for that. And uh, the next thing you know, uh, fast forward four years later, the township reaches out and says, hey, your neighbor, you know, a neighbor up the street wants to do a project. They looked over at this guy's house and wondered how he got away with it because they can't build. They've, they've hit a wall with the township. They can't build a project in their backyard. And they wondered how the, our client got away with it. So I'm like, oh, crap, what are you going to do, right? So the next thing you know, what we found out, you know, long and short of this, it took almost two years to get this thing ironed out. But we ended up doing permeable pavers around the pool because it's the right thing to do. It didn't, you know, from our side, it didn't cost us any more. And we knew that it was going to be a better solution for the client, which was a savings grace in all of this. But the township says to us back in 1996 that they allowed 13,000 square foot of impervious to be built on this site, which by code was only allowed 5,000. So that includes the house and the driveways. So they were already, what, 8,000 over yeah. to start with. Wow. Right? So, when, the, when they put the pool in, the pool didn't count, so the township didn't care. But then when they saw everything else going in, they're like, huh, what's going on here? So we ended up, like I said, for two years back and forth with them. They ended up letting us go because we put in permeable pavers and all that. And each house within that development now has to fight the same bullshit because they're only allowed 5,000 square foot. Every single house is over by at least five to 10,000 square foot. So anything you want to add to it, what's the point? They said, look, you got to manage all that stormwater. So I said, they own two acres. You want me to go in there and knock all the beautiful natural trees yeah. of which we're only allowed to cut one down a year. Exactly. Yeah. That's, to put in a retention pond. Right. Yeah. Trees we, are sacred. Done, exactly. And we've done nothing to nothing but improve the permeability of water into the ground. I get that part. I yeah. get it. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> so why would we have to knock all these gorgeous oak trees down that have been around for hundreds of years just to put in a retention pond that's going to do nothing? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So it's, it's I, I just, see you have really strong feelings about that, Josh. Not, not at all. It just blows my mind when things are so dumb like that. They just make no sense. I, yes. And we have quite a bit of that in California. I can imagine. <laughs> at least you got nicer weather. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah. So what is a typical misstep that homeowners do during design or construction uh, with your part? Okay, so typically what happens with clients is they, they try a couple different things, right? One of the missteps is they think they're gonna be able to get it cheaper by just hiring a contractor to come in and build something for them, right? But they wanna have integration with other structures or features. So they might hire the, the deck builder to come in and build a deck. Next year, they hire in a patio guy to put a patio. Third year, they hire a pool guy to come in. The problem is after that third or fourth year, they look in their backyard and they don't like it because none of the pieces fit together. There was no holistic plan. Yeah. It was everybody's ideas, three different, in this scenario, three different people's ideas. And they're trying to figure out why the hell the steps are on the wrong side of the deck and why the sun is on the other side of the property. And that's where the patio is, the pool's in the shade because they didn't plan for it. So some of the, the problems we find is that they, people don't think about, homeowners don't think about uh, the value of having a great design right up front. Yeah. They think they're going to try to bring things together on their own, save some money, which they will save some money. But what's, what's more important, having a few more dollars in your bank account or having no regret knowing that you have the absolute perfect space for your, for your, your family, right? So, so often that happens and we go in and we have to either retool what's been done or have that hard conversation saying, yeah, two years ago, you might have spent 20,000 on a patio, but we got to move half of it's in the wrong place. Uh, we can reuse the product, but it's not going to save you any money because I got to pay a guy to move it, put it on a pallet, turn around and put it back on the ground again. So the, the value you save from the product being used again is negated by the fact that there has to be more labor involved. So it's, it's I hate seeing people live with regret. I hate seeing them look yeah, at me, me and be like, I wish I would have known. Yeah. I wish I would have known. That's why we do design first. Everything is design first in our focus because without a design, how do you know how all the pieces fit together? How do you know you're putting those steps on the right side? How do you know you have enough sun or enough shade? You don't Yeah. until that planning is done, right? So. That's one big thing. Another thing is not planning for phases. If they do phases, like I mentioned in, in scenario one, if that deck goes in and they aren't planning for the pool, the next thing you know, or the patio goes in and they aren't planning for the pool, they're tearing half the patio up to get the conduits to the house to run power to that pool equipment. Yeah. So why aren't these things done? Why isn't drainage planned for? Right? When it comes to the deck or the patio or even the pool, they don't give a shit about that. All they care about is putting their patio in. 
Next thing you know, you got water problems or it's adding to another problem. You're creating problems. Where when you have a holistic design, all of those things are taken into consideration. So we know that all the water goes off the west side of the property because that's the downslope. We're going to catch all that water and run it that way. We know we got to swale everything above the pool and run it out that way too. We know that, and that might not even happen for five years, but we're already starting those, those conversations now. Yeah. Running all those conduits when it's cheap, when that patio is going in versus tearing half of it out to put those conduits in. It, there's things like that that we find throughout, and that's how we're able to save two or three X on you know, the overall design cost of construction because of those things that we're thinking about. But so many don't think about it, Mike. They just don't think about it. And it well, and the hundreds of thousands of dollars that are spent on remodels and additions and outdoor spaces and all that, you know, spending 10% of that on getting a overall design plan. Oh, yeah. Um, it doesn't even have to be, it's, it's not talking working drawings, but just a, an overall design for the house and exterior spaces you can easily recoup four or five times that by um, doing it right the first time and not having to redo it over and over again. Especially with yeah. these big items like stormwater drainage and patios. I mean, everyone thinks, oh, I just throw a patio in. Okay, yeah, and then you want to do something else and it comes back out, goes back in. What a waste. Don't you it is. Another, another interesting thing is I've seen this happen a few times where people are buying brand new homes, spending half to a million dollars, right? On, a, on a, a brand new, beautiful home. And all to find out once they hire us to come in and take a look that the rear property line or the, you know, the setbacks required by that rear property line are inches off their house. Yeah. Because uh, the, the home builder says, great, we can fit a bigger house on a smaller lot. We can sell it for more. I can get more volume out of this development. I get it. But then when I got to be the person to tell that homeowner, look, guys, you have to go for a variance to put a set of steps off your back door yeah. out to the backyard. And you will never be able to build something unless you're rid of the fight city hall on it. Yeah. That breaks my freaking heart because they have their mindset on this beautiful dream home and they get stuck with this. And then what do you do with it? They got to fight it. It's so, so sad. So let's, let's switch gears here because you've been doing outdoor uh, living for a long time. Um, since five years old, uh, if you want to take it that far back, sheesh. Um, but you're now getting into a new venture where you're going to leverage your business uh, that you've been working on. Um, tell us a little bit about your new venture. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so after being in this, this industry for 24 years now, it's my 24th year, I've learned a lot. Most of it's from the street, right? I didn't go to a school to uh, to learn sales, no Ivy League education for that here. I learned it in the street. I learned it in the garden center. I learned it selling projects, right? But for so many years, I had a lot of big ideas and constantly kept hearing no from my clients, right? Too much money, bigger than we want to you know, spend on this house. Uh, you're out of your mind, like these kinds of things, right? So I kind of got sick and tired of that after a while and I figured it had to be a better way. So I started to read books. I started to go to seminars, but all of those things, they, you have to take that information and try to translate it into your world and then keep your fingers crossed that it's going to work, right? And then when it doesn't work, you throw it out. If it does work, you bring it back. It's like this whole back and forth. There's no confidence in it, right? Yeah. There's no structure to it. So two years ago, I set out with, um, uh, with, a, with a sales mentor of mine. And we created a system that uh, I saw my wife, she has a very similar system. She's a chiropractor. I saw it working in her practice. And I said, you know, there's got to be a way to take that type of an idea and bring it to my world, to the landscape design build professionals world, right? So we worked together for about eight months, created this entire uh, sales process. Um, so what that did was it allowed me to inc increase my closing rates by an incredible amount, doubling sales within a year. Uh, it also allowed me to have a lot more free time because I was brooming clients that were just wasting my time. I was doing it on the phone. So I wasn't wasting tons of time going there and being told no and then coming home and being all pissed off because it was a Friday night and I missed my kid's soccer game or a Saturday and missed a spelling bee, whatever. You know, like all that's gone. So yeah. now we broom the clients. We're over 90% closed rate on our clients we go out to meet. You know, and before this, this process, I was more into the 70% range, which is by standards in our industry, our industry is between 35 and 50%. So basically one in two, one in three that you'd actually close after going out and meeting with them. I said, yeah. there's got to be a better way to do this. Anyway, so implemented the process, you're into it, doubled sales, fantastic. I said, you know what? I feel like it's my, it's, it's my duty to bring this to my, to my other 
brothers and sisters in this industry because there's nothing being taught like this out there. Most people are just trying to figure it out or going to a seminar or going to, you know, even, you know, Tony Robbins going to uh, business mastery and trying to come back and take the ideas and try to implement them into their business. But it's still like you're trying to, to translate a foreign language. That's, yep. um, it, it's tough to, there's no one-to-one -one, do a get B kind of thing all the way through. There's yeah. no system that's designed just for you. So that's what I've taken on as my new venture called yes express. It's to bring, you know, more yeses to, to our clients mouths, you know, it's to, to allow our, our design build professionals and contractors that jump on board with me here. I'm going to teach them how they can get, um, you know, get control of their time, be able to broom clients that are going to waste their time and do it over the phone. They're going to be able to increase their closing rates incredibly and going to be able to do all of that with very little invested. So that's really the cool part about it. As long as they stick with the plan, as long as they stick with this, you know, the layout that we have and it's, we're, we're already up and teaching now. I'm starting to see a lot of, of uh, interesting uh, changes in people's businesses already with this. And it's so much fun to see. Uh, there's been a lot of very positive things coming. So I cannot wait to bring it to even more people in my industry to be able to help them sell, build their confidence, and be able to help with those closing numbers and have them with their families more often, not out wasting time with clients that are just wasting their time. That's great. Okay. So, um, uh, So what is it your, uh, okay, so you're going after landscape designers. What has been the response? You've been doing response. it for a few months? Yes, it's been uh, roughly six weeks now. We've gone live and, you know, it's a startup. So we're, we're rolling out here. I know what it's done for my business. I've seen others that I've worked before I launched and to see how it's totally impacted their business and how they're thriving during COVID right now because of this in place with more time on their hands. It's, it's incredible. So I'm just, I'm not saying that because I want anybody to, to give a shit about that. I want them to be like, look, it's possible. It works. Um, you know, and then now starting to teach my class, it's all online. So it's super convenient. Uh, we do a lot of what's called role play throughout this process. So we get to get on and we get to do uh, some role play back and forth and run a bunch of scenarios, you know, in a safe environment so that you're not figuring this all out on your you know, first call with this, you know, yeah. this the place you're trying to figure it out and it's a hundred thousand dollar client and you're going out there like, uh, um, I, I, this is my first one, you know what I mean? And, and you blow the whole thing. So let's, let's do this in a safe environment, throw a bunch of curveballs at you. So you're ready, prepared for when you go out there and you get that one client that you've been dreaming of for the last 15 years that you can help them buy, right? This is not about selling. This is about helping people buy what they want to buy. This is not a transaction. This is a transformation. They're looking for a guide to take them from where they are to where they want to go. And why can't that be you? That's, that's I simple. agree. Okay. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. How do people get a hold of you in the great state of Pennsylvania? I mean, we'll <laughs> uh, a couple different ways. They can uh, take a look if they're looking for the, um, you know, our design build company. It's Master Plan Outdoor Living. So they can take a look there. The website is mymasterplan.com. So you can take a look there. Um, and as far as Yes Express, we have, uh, you know, a group on Facebook. Uh, it's a great way to reach out. You can also email me if you have any questions or if you want any more information about how we train. Uh, you can reach out to me at joshua at yes.express. So there's no dot .com in there. So it's joshua at yes.express. Yeah. That'll get you directly yes, to right. me. Okay. Uh, I like simplicity and streamlining. You know that, Mike. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and we can, uh, we can chat. Well, fantastic. And I will certainly put those uh, in the show notes and such so people can get a hold of you. Josh, I really appreciate you taking your time this morning. Um, uh, to be with us and answer my questions. It sounds like uh, things are going really well. It doesn't surprise me with the amount of energy that you always approach things. And I can't wait to see how it all blooms from here. Uh, pun intended. Um, so until uh, next time. So thank you very much, sir. Any last thoughts before I sign off? No, man, just be true to yourself. Be true to your craft, right? And just keep leading with love. It's there. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And that's it for uh, this episode of uh, Michael Smith Architect Podcast. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's been a pleasure. So I hope you got a lot of great information on that. I really enjoyed talking to Josh. And it was really interesting to, to talk to someone who is doing both design and construction. You get a little different uh, point of view on that. And it kind of opened my eyes to a little bit about planning for a new custom home. 
how we need to really start looking at from start to finish and that's both inside and out because what's happening we talked about the stormwater and such uh, issue and that is something that is coming up more and more in California it's coming up everywhere on how the property uh, the building divisions want the property to handle stormwater instead of just releasing it out into the street and such. And so more and more we're going to pay uh, attention to that. And if the architects don't pay attention to more than just the house, we're going to be causing homeowners to spend more money on redesigning or providing new areas for that. And that's just one part of it. So it's kind of spurred me on to come up with um, how we do a complete plan. And we talk about what we're going to do outside and patios or decks and things like that. And maybe start designing stormwater and other things that are affected. Uh, when we're doing the house. They may not put it in, but we're going to have a system large enough maybe to handle that. So that's something that's kind of stuck with me, and I'm going to make some changes in how I do my business. Okay, so now we're going to go on to ask the architect a uh, question uh, that I usually see out on the Internet, um, and I want to answer it for you. So today's question is, how long would my will my project take and i i'm taking that to mean the design working drawings permit approval and construction and i can only tell you in california um it'll be different in many uh places and it's really you can tell on what kind of approvals you need from planning departments and such uh in California, there's a lot of agencies that we have to go through. And if you are on the coast, you're involved in the California Coastal Commission. Um, if you're on, on the bluff, a beach, um, that comes into account. If you're in a sensitive area, you need archaeological reports. If you're in a protected areas or you're in geological areas, there are those kind of reports. Um, so in California, I would say if we're looking at a, let's say a large home remodeling project, your design probably about one to four months, depending on how quickly your architect is working and you're making decisions. Um, working drawings will probably take anywhere from three to six months. Uh, again, depending on workload uh, of the architect and the consultants that are involved. And then um, permit, the permit approval, um, and I'm dropping out any planning approval. Well, I'll add that in at the end. But um, permit, you're probably looking at, depending on backlog, anywhere from eight to 12 weeks, so two to three months. And then construction, that can be all over the map, uh, depending again on complexity of the design and the project itself. Uh, I would say you got to look at least six months and possibly up to 15 months, again, depending on how big the project is and such. So you wrap that all up, you're looking possibly two years uh, to do a large home remodel project. If you're doing a custom home, uh, you could actually be a little bit longer because most custom homes, at least in San Luis Obispo County and California on the coast, uh, require additional approvals, um, usually planning. And there's something called a minor use permit. And that alone can add three to nine months onto the project. Uh, I can only go back to a custom home that I'm, it's under construction right now. It's in Paso Robles. It was in a plan subdivision. The homeowner who bought the lot bought it four years earlier. You would think in a subdivision it would be a no a no-brainer to build on it. Not the case. We still had to do an archaeological study. We had to do a uh, geological study. There were trees on the site. Um, all of that had to be addressed. Oh, we had to do a bi biological study also. And all of those things 
went into the approval of the minor use permit and we ended up uh, about 12 to 15 months uh, because the level of detail we needed to do for both the biological study and the archaeological study. Um, so that delayed uh, the process. Uh, my clients saw it as a delay because they wanted to really build and they thought they could just design the house and go. Um, so it took about two and a half years to get the permit uh, approved and they're now, um, here we are in 2020, we started in 2017, the house is under construction. So it does take a long time depending on where you are. I know when I was in the Central Valley, it goes a little quicker because we're not on the coast, there's not as much uh, planning approvals uh, in the Central Valley depending on where you are, but uh, things go a little quicker. But if you're on the coast, you better plan on, on uh, a little longer time frame and such. So I hope that was helpful to you. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to give me a, uh, drop me a line at mike at michaelsmitharchitect.com and we'll be happy to answer those uh, questions for you on our podcast. Always looking for fresh questions and such. So let's see that, uh, well, yes, as you can see, we're still in shelter and home, uh, which I'm really getting tired of it. I was kind of hoping to, to bring the, this podcast outside to get a little sun, but we had some rain today. Yes, we had rain in California in May, kind of unusual, um, but we, uh, that's what happened today. Always love to have rain. Um, but we're getting a little tired um, of being inside and just the general mood that's out there. But in terms of building departments, it's actually, I, that side has been really good. Uh, we're able to submit online for new county projects and have plans delivered from our local um, printing company for the city of San Luis Obispo. And so that's been kind of nice not to drag around plans and such. Uh, so I'm really hoping that that stays in place when we get this all over with, which I hope, as you, I'm sure you do, it ends soon. So that's going to be our show today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. As always, let me know. Um, I hope you subscribe to my podcast. And in the show notes, we have all our our links so you can connect with me and hopefully have any questions. I'd love to help you out. And if you have any projects and you're in California, I can help you out too. So until next time, thanks. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for a new episode coming soon.